a young boy is murdered in a ritualistic manner. It's probably Santeria. So the investigation goes further and they discover that the victim was smuggled in America as uh, as a slave. This is Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast. You are now listening to Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast where we recap and break down past episodes of Law & Order SVU. You can hear us out on Spotify, Anchor FM, WordPress, or or any other streaming service. And now, here's your host, Brian Mose. Welcome to Twisted, a Law & Order SVU podcast where I recap and break down episodes of Law & Order SVU. Now, my name is B.D. Rose, so you, boy, you can call me Brian. So we're here, and it's another Monday. I mean, the weekend come and gone, and um, I'm I'm a bit disappointed that the New York Knicks got eliminated from the NBA playoffs, man. And uh, I can't believe that Miami got rid of them, man, six games, man. And... Um, they were on the verge of trying to get the title again. I mean, it's been like 50 years since the Knicks won the NBA championship, and I wasn't even born yet. I, mean, I was born in 76. I mean, the Knicks were this close back in 1994 when they was in, when it was in the NBA Finals in 1999. I remember Patrick Ewing couldn't even make a damn jump shot, though. But, damn. They were this, they were this close. But um, right now, I mean, I have my, I lost my faith in the Knicks because, I mean, I used to watch a lot of Knicks games. But over the years, they keep losing and losing, and, and I just lost interest in them, man. Oh, that's messed up, though. So I haven't been paying – I haven't been watching the New York Knicks games as I should because I'm busy working at night, though. So I don't usually be keeping up and stuff like that, though. So, oh, man, but I can't believe – let me tell you something. The Knicks are still cursed, man. It's been 50 years without a title, and I just lost my faith in them, and I don't know why, man. I mean, let me let me just move on right now. So um, I'm going to say that um, I know you just send praise to Jamie Foxx because I just read that his um, his health is like getting a little worse. And um, and by the way, I just want to break down about Jamie Foxx's health issues and health crisis. I mean. He collapsed when and went to the hospital while he was shooting in his um shooting in his, his new movie with Cameron Diaz. I know he fired his staff and then next thing you know he just collapsed, got sick, collapsed, and then been in the hospital. So I've been hearing that um things are gonna get like a little worse and then he's he's being and then Nick Cannon is replacing him in the show um Beach Shazam. So hopefully um we don't know. I mean, maybe I think they probably poisoned Jamie Foxx because maybe something he did. I don't know what it is, though. But um, I know Hollywood is just saying their prayers to Jamie Foxx, though. So hopefully that he'll um, maybe he'll maybe we'll recover. I don't know what will happen, but I'm telling you, like Hollywood is like a shady place, man. You know, so right. So um, next thing you know, let's go get to, into the episode.
It's called Fins and Slaves. All right, we're at Law and Order SVU, Season 5, Episode 14, Ritual. And it aired on NBC on February 3rd of 2004. So we go through the cold opening, the pre-credit sequence, and we see a couple of Parks Department employees. Um, they're gonna pick up some garbage, and um, you know, I think the I think the supervisor was giving his um, young kids some instructions. You see Neil dump it, and then you know, you know, just clean up stuff. You know, the basic stuff, though. Next thing you know is that the young kid, though, he sees something, something that's gruesome, and um, they he didn't say what it is, though. But however, though, it turns out that they found a body of a young boy. So Benson Sabler at the crime scene turns out that the um, young kid was probably seven or eight years old and his head and, and his arms were missing. So, however, though, they say figured that um, throughout the warning says it's probably like um, part of a ritual, probably like a ritual going bad, a ritual sacrifice or something like that. So, however, however though, they found um, two bowls with blood on it, though. And, um, you know, Corner Warner will check this out, though. So, so Benson Sabler talks to um, one of the Parks Department employees first, and then, and then after that, they talked in. Benson Sabler talks to Warner, and um, Warner tells Benson Sabler that the kid was still alive by the time he died. Mm-mm-mm. So, it turns out that maybe the boy was killed as like part of like a ritual sacrifice or a blood sacrifice. I don't know. Oh, do you remember the movie about Apocalypto with Mel Gibson? Yeah, they be uh, oh, they had these people. They had they had they do these little sacrifices, and then they have this like um, they you would line up, and then they had their heart ripped out, and then they dumped their body in the pit and shit like that. Damn, and you know what these 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 dummies these dummies were doing? They were worshiping the damn sun. I mean that's false idol right there. I mean that's crazy though. I mean, they do they did some say like a, it's like a satanic ritual or something like that. I mean you have to rip the heart out, and then show it to the sun. I mean they worship in the heart, worship in the sun. I mean they worship these these idols. I mean that's like blood sacrifice and shit like that. I mean crazy man, and that's what you in the entertainment industry when people when a person dies though they probably use it as a blood sacrifice. So that's probably like the oath, but. I don't want to go too deep like LL Cool J, you know what I'm saying? In too deep. Okay, so we'll go to the opening credits right now. And we're in the, um, I think we're in the morgue right now. And um, corner, the corner Warner is there. She tells him that uh, a knife or some sharp object was used for dismembering, like cutting the neck off and stuff like that, though. And she also tells Benson Stabler that the child was healthy when that kid died, though. So we're in the scrawl right now. And um, they were trying to figure out about the death about the boy in the park, though. Munch comes in with this, some kind of a candle, and um, he tells him that the candle was used during um, while he, the boy was killed. And Finn believes that these are rituals that's part of Santeria. So he mentions a story about, say, that Santeria started in the Caribbean and South America. And then next thing he knows is that they had to change the names, call him Saint and stuff like that. And he also mentions that... Um, it was drug dealers use him and put a vex on him and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, 
So it was, it was, just, it was some crazy shit because, I mean, Finn, Finn, you know, Ice-T, Finn, he knows a thing about Santeria. So he, the boy was probably killed by the Santeria and stuff like that, though. So anyway, they found out that the candle came from a religious store called, um, I think, Martinez Imports. So anyway, so where we go, where we, we, we got Martinez Imports and Finn and Munch are talking to the store owner and he he sold the candles to a couple of places like Miami and um, especially in New York. And he tells him that he sort of sold the candles to some kind of a center. It's like it's like it's like a it's like a Santa Rita Center in um, New York City. So we have the Santa Rita Center and Fence and Stabler are talking to this guy named um uh Odufemi. He's like the minister and he's like um for the Santeria some Santeria church and stuff like that. And um he tells Benson Stabler that they don't condone sacrifices and stuff like that though. So Benson Stabler try to go hard on him and they then they ask him for the list. And um I get and even though you know the the, the guy um Odufemi, he said he brought a case of candles and stuff like that from a couple of weeks ago. And Benson and, ben, and no, Stabler tells him he was going hard on him, telling him that you your people do these all these sacrifices and child sacrifices, and the boy was killed and stuff like that, though. And they want the list of names. And however, Old Femi refused to give him the names and stuff like that, though. So he, he tells him, and so Old Femi tells Stabler and Benson that he, you want me to throw you out or you find your own way out. So. We back at the squad room right now, and they see they see Old Femi as a suspect. Oh, he's there in the, some board and stuff like that, though. So, however, Novak is there. So, and then, and then they're trying to find out. They see Novak wants the detectives to talk to the neighbors. Did they see or hear anything when the boy was killed and all that stuff, though? So, anyway, though, we go to this restaurant, and um, no, 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 no. Let me go back. We go to this, um, we outside this uh, apartment building and a neighbor tells Benson Stabler that, that she's seen a group of kids going in the Santa Maria church and all that stuff and all that stuff. That, and she, and it's crazy. And meanwhile, Munch and Finn talked to the restaurant owner. He said that he heard screams the other night and he probably guessed it was some like eight year old kid because he heard noises like shrieks and shit like that though. So, Meanwhile, Novak is talking to the judge, and um, they have a little walk and talk outside the hallway, and they go to the office, and the judge will issue a warrant for the Santeria Church, because I know that that um, Femi is like the little suspect and stuff like that, though. However, though, we are back at the Santeria Church, and then they get a search warrant for the Santeria Church, and Amophibi is not happy about that, though, because Sable knows that he's a suspect of murdering a little boy. And Saber wants a list from names and everything about that, though. And you see all the females, he's wearing his little garments, Santeria garments, dressing all white, stuff like that. And at first, he said that they don't condone deaths and sacrifices and whatever like that. I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, but you got these candles. But I mean, let me tell you something about Santeria, man. It's nothing but false idols and stuff like that. I don't like Santeria, man. It's like a form of witchcraft. And Dominicans, they use Santeria as a form of witchcraft. So, and in Haiti, though, they use Santeria as voodoo and stuff like that, though. 
No, no, no. That's a bunch of witchcraft stuff, though. And I remember in the, in the front of the papers, that Shaver shows him the front of the paper saying, um, boy killing voodoo, saying stuff like that, though. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, though. So, Sabler, you know, and Sabler and the crime scene people, though, they um search for, they search for the, the, the dude's church, though. And Sabler wants to list, though. So, he says that he'll give it, and, uh, and that's the you know, old thing he gives in and stuff like that, though. So, anyway, we're back at the morgue right now. And um, somehow they, Warner examines the thing for the boy, stuff like that, though. But Warner tells them, Benson and Stabler, that the boy came from Nigeria to be sacrificed. Oh! Well, it looks like this kid was born in Nigeria and he's being brought here to be sacrificed. Oh my goodness. That's crazy shit going on around here, though. Damn. So, anyway, Benson and Stabler are talking to, are doing a walk and talk with the, um, Captain Cragen. They tell him about the, the boy kid from Nigeria. So, they're going to go find out from immigrate, go to the immigration office and find out if Eddie, this kid came, what, what that time or what day the kid came in from Nigeria, stuff like that, though. So, Benson and Stabler get in the elevator and all that, though. So we're at the immigration place, and this dude was talking to Benson Stabler, and then she tells him that these, these a lot of these kids are being trafficked every year. So there's a taste, case of child trafficking, though. I mean, that's probably unlawful and stuff like that. It is unlawful, you know what I'm saying? Shoot. Every year. So so anyway, um, Doc tells the detectives that um, he knows a Nigerian consulate by the name of, um, or I see, um, uh, and uh, and I'm a, I'm gonna go say this though. She know he know he knows a Nigerian consulate by the name of Kima Membuta, and she's passionate about children. So we're at this um Nigerian you know consulate thing, and the detectives they talking to um Kima, and we got a special guest star. Now who's this actress playing Kima? <laughs> The ritual murder of a child. That is terrible. Have you come across anything like it before? You need to understand, most Nigerians are educated, but we do have the largest population in Africa. In more remote areas, tradition dies high. You're saying human sacrifice does happen? Possibly. Hundreds of children vanish every year from my country and Thailand and Albania. They end up here and in Europe. For rituals? No, the slave trade. Yeah, that happens to be Erica Alexander. You remember her from the Foxy Con Living Single? And I'm going to talk to you about that after I'm done with this episode. Now, she played um, she played as a business late like woman for four, like four or five seasons on Living Single. And Living Single ran from 1993 to like 19, early 1998. And it was canceled, you know. I mean, Living Single also starred Queen Latifah, right? Yeah, you know, the lesbian from the movie Set It Off. And she, she looked beautiful, but sometimes I lost, I lost interest in Queen Latifah because Queen Latifah um, when she had like that breast reduction surgery, something like that, though. I mean, I don't know. I just lost interest. I'm not saying that I'm a pervert, but maybe, but um, I like thick women. I like big women, you know, with a lot of rack, though. I mean, why do you want to change your appearance, though? Anyway. Also, King Calls also started that one. And I heard she came out years ago. 
and Tootie from the Facts of Life was on Living Single, right? Yeah, that's right. Kim Fields, and she played Regime. I mean, she always get a lot of attention with the fake ass wigs and all that stuff. <laughs> Look at that dress like Tyler Perry. Remember, no woman or like a mixture of Little Kim. Where next day she looked like Little Kim, and then next thing you know she looked like Grace Jones. Like the different hairstyles and shit like that, though. Hmm. Well, why, why you hiding you good? Why you hiding the good hair, girl? Kim 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 feels tootie from the facts of life. Anyway, so by the way, back to Erica Alexander, right? Um, she was what best known for playing being being on Living Single, but before that, though, she joined the cast from the Cosby Show from 1990 until its end in, in 1992. So, anyway, she plays um, as a Nigerian consulate called um, Kemba Mbuda. So she's talking to Benson Sabler and telling him that kids are being, being smuggled here every year, mostly from Nigeria. And some of these kids and some of the kids coming from, um, I think, Liberia, some other country, all that stuff. And sometimes they t- she tells him that the kids are used for like um, sex or making garments or slave trade. It's like all that other stuff. I mean, servants and stuff like that, though. I mean, it's crazy. And she tells them that they use like maybe like thousands every year. So she keeps tracking it, track track of them. And she's passionate about those you know, stolen children, taking from homes and stuff like that, though. So go back at the Craigan's office, and they just found out that eight calls to were made to the counselor's switchboard. So it turns out that um, the Nigerian consulate Kima, right? She contacted, had contacted a couple from the switchboard. So Benson stable asked her about the names and the list about the switchboard. So in Craig's office, they just found out that eight calls to the council was where eight calls were made to the council's switchboard. So Finn was like, let's go search every one of them, y'all. Okay, we're outside this um um this this apartment, right? So Munch and Finn doing a little walk and talk and then they arrived at the person's door. Anyway, uh, this um, I think the housekeeper answers the door, and um, they went. So it it turns out that that um they're looking for, in other words, though they're looking for say say that a woman had called asking for a brother a zombie. So that's what that's the reason, whole reason it is though. So they want to track down who the person is. So much of Finn go to this person's house, and the housekeeper answers the door, and. Much of it asked, um, I think the housekeeper, like, she was looking for someone who got in contact, who's trying to get in contact with uh, Ajami, her, the brother. And um, and the housekeeper was like, nah, nah, you can't, nah, I don't know, I can't even help you. But Much and Finn see a little girl scrubbing the floor. So next thing you know is that they barging in here, and the housekeeper was like, hey, you can't do that, y'all. Yo, if it was like, listen, Listen, you know what I mean? We're going to arrest you, man, if you keep hiding something like that, right? So, they talked to this girl, right? And um, her name's Naima, and she turns out to be um, a Johnny's sister, right? Though, so, so Finn talks to her, and he's going to tell her that I'm going to take you somewhere else so you can talk. So, he picks her up, and we're at the Administration of Children's Services. So, Next thing you know, Finn's t- uh, the girl, uh, her name is um, Naima, right? She's talking to Finn, and she tells him that um, 
a couple of people came by that was going to take him to America to be placed in a better school and stuff like that, though. And next thing you know is then when they, they got here, though, it turns out that they, um, they, her and her brother, they were locked in the cellar. And they were hoping that someone came and pick us up, though. So, turns out, though, it, it, it was, you know, the thing that there's these people coming in and offering them better jobs, better school, that turned out to be bullshit, though. In other words, they locked their ass in the cellar. So she, um, the girl was in the cellar with her brother, hoping they'll pick him up. But instead, they took a Johnny instead of, instead, now she is all alone. So Bing comes out, tells Munch that the girl was locked in the cellar. And she also mentioned about this girl named Madame. And then, oh yeah, it turns out that um, Naima was working for a lady named Madame and stuff like that, though. So they want to find out who his Madame is. So we're at some event, and then they just like people calling names, like three five fifty dollars out, fifty dollars out, so something like that. Some some event. Next thing you know, much of Finn arrived, and they have a picture of this elderly woman with blonde hair, and they see her, and they she's wearing a damn hat, and it turns out, and the lady's name is Marion Layman, and much of Finn arrested arrested her for having having slaves. And it's also a violation. It's also a violation of the code. So, and then when Finn tried to handcuff, when Finn handcuffs her, she was like, Miriam was like, you can't arrest me. I'm rich. I ain't do nothing wrong. And Finn tells her, you're, you're in charge for title 18, section 1854. And by the way, Lincoln freed the slaves. <laughs> you, Finn had to bring up Abraham Lincoln up in that shit. You know what I'm saying? They say Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, but I think he was, that was bullshit. I mean, he was being paid to do that. And I thought Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln was a hero, but um, speaking of that, about the slavery thing, though, I'm going to get to that in a minute. So we're at the precinct right now, and Mrs. Lame is being interrogated, and she got her lawyer with her. Is, um, that's Mr. Mr. Mariska Hargitay Peter Herman, or a.k.a. Trevor Langan, right? So, um, she's not going to say nothing. Marion Langan's too cocky says, I reached her. I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, and then they threatened her with jail time. You can, uh, they detect, they threatened her with jail time and shit like that. And then it was like, you don't corroborate though. We, you're going to find out about the dress code of prison. And you know, Marion Langan, she was like, I'm filthy rich. I got to have all, all the money in the world. I didn't do anything wrong. Let me tell you something though. These niggas don't do nothing. These niggas don't do nothing, man. I mean, they work for me. I mean, and, and uh, um, I I am a wealthy man. You can't do this shit to me. So then, you know, Munch was like, "Yo, the girl girls free. You're going to prison." And he left, and Mrs. Lane was like, "All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. I got um, uh, all, all right though. I I paid a fee to this guy. I don't know his name." And they asked her where she got the um, the kids from, and she was like, "I got this from a warehouse somewhere in Long Island City." So we're at the warehouse in Long Island City. Finn, Mr. Saber arrive, and they talk to this guy who works at this mini mini storage. Tells him that the guy person paid in advance for months, something like that. They go to this door, and when they go in there, they find a bunch of children in the damn warehouse in this room. And they damn, damn, damn. Turns out that these these um, Nigerian these are these Nigerian kids they were being held as slaves. Now. Let me take a little time out, little Sat Morris time out over here. 
I think it's slavery is wrong and it's a disgusting act though. And I don't like the fact that my ancestors were um, being humiliated, raped, lynched, murdered by uh, the, the, the white man. And slavery is harsh. I mean, our ancestors were picking cotton in the cotton fields. We would lynch, rape, murder, murder, and everything be treated poorly. Like, I mean, in other words, we've been treated like shit. We working as butlers and maids, man, because it was, it was, it was, it was cruel punishment, though. So, however, slavery was abolished in the 1860s, and then we get the right to vote, then Jim Crow, civil rights, and all that stuff. But let me give you the truth about slavery, right? The reason why we got into slavery because we fucked up. We broke. We sinned against the the Lord. We broke His commandments. So, most of most uh, no God put us in the slave. Most of put us in slavery as a punishment, and that's like. And hopefully, though, if we have to wake up and we have to do the right thing and uh, follow, follow, follow God, and then, and then the curse will be lifted. That's and that's part. Of, that was that was part of the curse of my ancestors being put into slavery because they was being rebellious against the Most High, and they had to punish them for that. Though, I mean, it's in the Bible. I mean, it's Deuteronomy twenty eight, twenty eight fifteen. He says, "Thou shalt not, thou shalt not listen to the Most High's laws, God's law, statutes, and commandments. Then all these curses will come upon us." And we still in the curse living in the projects, but to come out of the curses that you have to have your faith in God. I mean, that's the reason why, and that's the reason why we was being put into slavery in the first place because we messed up, being sitting there, hearted, rebellious, committing adultery, murdering, being all these lewd acts. I mean, that's just crazy, man. And someday, you know, we're gonna get reparations one day, though. Hopefully, God willing. Right, that's all I gotta say. Right, you, you brothers and sisters, y'all need to get your act together and stop twerking, stop putting your hand, pants down your asses, and stop smoking that weed you know, because it's not good for you. Wake up, brothers and sisters. That's all. Now, let's go to the second half of the story. Right now, like I said, they, they found a bunch of Nigerian kids in the warehouse closet, and um, the detectives. Look, Benson, Sabler, Finn, they talked to a kid. One kid knew a Johnny, right? And they know, know that he they know he was found dead. And another kid says that he's seen a white man come and got by with candy. Oh, so it turns out that this white dude look like is a nice dude, treating him candy. They don't understand that. However, we're back in the precinct. Finn says that the 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 trafficking kids, they use the kids that you are used for sex. So Turns out the the white man treating candy is probably using them, taking advantage of shit like that though. So they got fast. So later we're outside this ACS, and Finn is doing a walk and talk with um a Johnny's sister Naima, and she tells him about this guy, something like that, and he mentions something about a couple and stuff like that. Um, so and the statues and all that other stuff though. So. We're at this place, um, I think it is at the Wolfimi, he, he, he said he sold, he sold a couple of these statues to a lady named Maggie Shea, and, um, they speak to Maggie Shea, and she said to her husband, 
who's also a professor, is um, and she says that she has a, a statue. So we we they speak to um, Maggie's husband, Professor Alan Shea. He's some college shit right there, though. And he said he brought the he brought the statues from the guy at the flea market and all that stuff, though. So, however, though they just figured out that. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to say this though, but however though, it's like they just found out that Shane is probably uh, adopted a Johnny and used him for sex. <laughs> oh my goodness, yo, 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 Professor Professor Shay is a pedophile. Hmm, I don't know if that guy looked like Keith Haring or stuff like that. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, though. Let's just do Mr. Professor Alan Shea, man. He got these little round glasses, look like he's John Lennon and shit like that, though. His hair looked like a bitch, like, um, he, um, he Haring. Uh, anyway, I don't, that artist, who's that artist's name? Um, anyway, so anyway, turns out that, um, Alan covered his tracks, you know what I mean? When his wife was on vacation, though, he was having some creepy fun with that Johnny, and, and he'd be having that as his own sex slave and raping him and shit like that, though. However, though, you know, sir, sometimes, you know, when and it was when he found out that his wife was um coming home, though, he had to cover his tracks. So he panics, and next thing you know, he had to kill a Johnny, so his wife wouldn't even find out about it, though. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And they were just talking about that at the precinct. So what they do is the, the detectives, they search his house and his office to find evidence. And that's what they found. They found a box and they found the bolt and the box. And well, anyway, um, they got a lot of evidence and stuff like that. So we have this um, college somewhere in college and um, Alan's having a class. That thing you know is that the, um, Detectives, though, they uh, arrest um, Professor Al- Al- Professor Shea for murdering a Johnny. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Your career as a college professor is over. He's like, you want to arrest Professor Shea for murdering a Johnny? <laughs> man, that's what. That's, oh, my goodness. Can't believe that the professor is a damn pedophile. So we have the priest right now, and Professor Shea's being interrogated, and he says, and then next thing you know is Alan denies killing the boy, and he going around saying that the, 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 he blaming on the vendor, and he's the real killer, stuff like that, though. However, though, um, meanwhile, Benson is talking to um, um, Alan's wife, Maggie, and they show evidence that Alan is a suspect for murdering Johnny. So she tells him, so Maggie tells um, Olivia that um, she was calling her husband the other day. Next thing you know, her husband was yelling at her at, on the phone like they would have an argument or something like that, though. So I don't know if Maggie found out he's uh, having an affair or something like that, though, but um, she, already, she already found out that the, the husband is a damn pedophile and a killer. So she told me, she, Maggie tells um, ben, Olivia that one of the bowls is in the basement. So, next thing you know is that uh, we at um, Professor, Professor Allen's place, Allen's, Allen's residence, 
they found a box and stuff like that, though. So, so next thing you know is that they bring the box to uh, Professor Shea at the precinct while he's being interrogated, though. And Hubbard, they want to ask you, do you know what's, do you know, do you know what's, uh, you know what's in the box? And you know, the Professor Shea, or I should call Island with a professor. I'm not talking about the professor from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> All right, so it turns out that they found uh, the the they found two bloody bowls in the damn box and stuff like that. So, however, though, it turns out that um, they want to find out where he where he got the a Johnny and all that stuff. And um, Alan says that he spoke to a guy who's a facilitator, facilitator, facilitator. His name is um Bouch. Somehow, you know, they he tried to reach um Bouch again, and it turns out that the phone was disconnected. Phil was like, "That's probably free pay sale." So, however, though we're in the Kringle's office, and it turns out that Martin Bouch is a Nigerian citizen. So, it, it, so they what they gotta do is that um if they were goes in there though. Mine will smell a, smell, smell a cop. But check this out. Finn steps up to the plate going undercover. So he's Finn. We're at this um, little diner. And Finn and um, Kim, Kima, they go undercover as a couple. And they wanted to buy some, some Nigerian slaves and stuff like that, though. So they wanted to buy a child. So Martin Bausch, you know, he looked like um, a poor man's Isaac Hayes. He was like, why? What you want, man? I, I, I. And then Kimo was like, I didn't have anything for my husband, though. So they praised as a couple. They wanted. So Finn going here, that he looking like a he like a nice suit on. He got like little like a lavender pink tie, pink shirt, stuff like that, and the pinstripes and stuff like that, though. So they wanted to buy a child and stuff like that, though. And then they do try to make a deal, stuff like that. Next thing you know, Martin so stands up. And he panics. Say, "Can you give me a second? Excuse me. Can you give me a second? He gets up and Wolf Holly walks out of the restaurant. Finn realizes that their cover is blown, so he follows him out of the restaurant. And Martin and Bouch sees Finn. He starts running, but however, Finn catches up to him and he tackles his ass to beat the shit out of him like he's Mike Tyson and stuff like that. They, you, you fucking suckering kids, you stupid, you fucking freak." I brought you shit on you bunches and things. You fucking, you fucking idiot. You try to bring kids. You did pedophile. You sick son of a bitch. Damn, yo, let me tell you something. Finn was beating the Bouch's ass like um he um beat up Neil Neil Brown in New Jack City. So we actually know Sam comes and restrain him. And y'all know, I mean, yo, yo, I'll I'll Finn. Hey, Ice T is pissed, man. I mean, I remember the scene in New Jack City where he had to beat up um. Wesley Snipes in, in the apartment and then on the fire escape. Next thing you know, he, he was being the shit out of him. He was like, Yo, the, that woman you keep, the school teacher you killed was my mother. And then it was, and Ice-T was like, you, he swiped his Italian saying, swipe out his African Italian saying, you, you just to poison people. You ain't shit. Rinse it off though. And next thing you know, is that he pulls out a gun and tries to shoot Nito saying, this is a business bitch. It's personal. And then he says the line saying, I I, I want to kill you so bad my dick just gets hard. 
And it turns out, though, that wasn't in, in, in the original script in the movie um, New Jack City. Yo, but I mean, again, but that scene gave me New Jack vibes, like Finning, Finning like Ice-T ice chasing the suspect, and he beat the, and then tackling him down, beating the shit out of him in his rage and shit like that. I mean, yo, that's like, that's like uh, art imitating art, like New Jack City type of shit, you know what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness. So, you know, Stabler tries to restrain Finn, tell him that's enough. We're at the precinct right now. And um Bosch, and then Bosch was like, Yeah, I mean, he can't tie his abuse and he he has his own rights. Then he see Finn comes in with his uh, civilian clothes and Bosch was like, what you gonna hit me again? And Finn was like, Nah, I just want the truth, you know, all this stuff. So they want they want they going after him for smuggling Nigerian kids. I mean, he's the guy responsible for bringing them the kids out of the, the Nigeria, bringing them over to the states to, do, to they'll get abused, use them in sweatshops and all that stuff like that. Though, so Pouch caves in and tells him there's a truck arriving tonight. So when it's nighttime and Ben, um, and Stable arrive and have a couple of cops. So they see a truck coming in. So they stop the truck. And they look at the back. They found a bunch of um, young Nigerian, young Nigerian kids in the back of the truck. So anyway, the kids are rescued, and you know, and Finn takes one kid in the car. Tell he tells tells cop take him somewhere place safe. Next thing you know, it was a close up of Finn. He breathes. He's relieved, and that's and that's the end of the episode. So, at first, it was a boy was at first when the death of the boy turned out to be a ritualistic sacrifice. Turns out that he was being raped and, and raped and abused by this dirty old white man, <laughs> this damn pedophile. So, end of the episode. starts to pour, I'll be there for you, back and down of the before, I'll be there for you, but I never give a shit, <laughs> I was belting out the lyrics of the TV show Friends, now, have you ever watched Friends, I know you like Friends, and Friends ran from 1994 to 2004, and it features six, six people living in an apartment. They're like roommates and shit like that, though. So, speaking about friends, there's been some controversy recently, right? And it turns out that the, the producers of Friends, though they're probably being sued, or I don't know what it is, but it turns out that they're being accused of stealing the concept. The show Friends, they still stealing the concept from... Living Single. Now, Living Living Single aired on Fox a year before Friends, and it featured um, four black female roommates and two guys. They were living in another apartment, right? They they roommates as well. So next thing you know, that they had like some romantic attention on Living Single, and on Friends, it's like the same similarities, but it's a race issue. I mean, here's the problem. 
Friends was like number one in prime time while Living Living Single was not. Oh, there's a racially thing going on around here. So it turns out that um, for folks that Living Single didn't know is that um, NBC and the producers, though, they ripped off um, they did rip off Living, Living Single. In other words, though, they wanted to make a, a white version of Living, Living Single. And they had a title Friends. You know, they, they want to avoid confusion. So somehow there's a racially thing going on around here because Friend was a hit and Living Single was not. Well, it was somewhat the hit between the Black and the Hispanic American audiences. But Living Single ran for five seasons while Friends ran for like 10 years. And it was popular, unlike Living Single. So I don't know. I heard it that the producers like, Right, Crane, Coffin and Crane, they're probably being sued because they was ripping off um, a Living Single without their permission. So somehow, somehow down the line, in other words, blatantly has a deal with a race issue. But I believe that the Friends was ripped off by Living Single. In other words, Friends, Friends is like a white version of Living Single. So like that's why I said. So I don't know if this copyright infringement, but. Somehow, you know, I mean, these stupid ass producers from Friends, they got away with, with some robbery, larceny, I don't know what you would call it. And they made Friends number one. It was like popular, unlike Living Single. So, Friends had like uh, three men and three women. Living Single got like four women and two men. So somehow, you know, I mean... It turns out that the producers of Friends stole the idea of living single, and it's been in headlines lately, stuff like that, though. So, and the problem, bottom line is, man, well, you cannot steal something that doesn't belong to you. So, and there's got to be a racial issue going on right here because it goes to show you that the blacks and Latinos were being treated like shit, and that's not right, though. I mean, Friends got away with being the biggest hit, and Living Single is not, though, because it's part of prime time, but it's for the urban audiences. This is the black and Hispanics. And I like Living Single. I mean, I watch it every week. And even New York Undercover, Martin, it was part of Thursday Night Lineup. But here it is. Both Friends and Living Single aired on Thursday night. So this might be somewhat competition, but a lot of these reviewers follow Friends. They tune the friends rather than living single. So there's got to be a racial, racial angle going on right here. But, you know, in the industry, goes to show you that they treat minorities like garbage. And it's, and it's crazy. It's messed up, though. I mean, come on, y'all. Besides that, you know, I, I didn't know that um, friends ripped off the idea for living single. So that's just stupid, you know? It goes to show you. It goes to show you that in the industry that the white people got the power, and yours don't mean shit. That's messed up. So you gotta change all that. It's all about change. And one of these days that we gonna be ruling, the minorities gonna be ruling. All right. Now that's all I want to say about this friends nonsense. So. Anyway, I'm gonna be. I'll be. So anyway, this I'll be. That's enough for me. And thank you for listening in. And um, by the way, uh, 
I'll be we I'll be back next week with a new episode. And so Twisted is a law a Law and Order SVU podcast is produced by me, written by me, directed by me. I, I, I don't know what how, uh, the editing process, but it's all me, 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 me. All right, so and you know, you want to hear more SVU stuff though? I'll try to keep you sure, keep you interested. Okay, so anyway, I'll be back next to you next Monday. This is BD Rose, and have a blessed week. Mm-hmm.